Welcome aboard. You're listening to the Travel Pro Show, brought to you by Enchanted Memories Travel. Prepare to voyage into your dream vacation with insight and expertise from high-level executives, from major destination cruises, and resorts guaranteed to provide you the best experiences for your budget. Make more than reservations. Make memories with travel tips and deals from the pros with your host, Connie Wallace. Hi, everyone. This is Connie Wallace, and this is the Travel Pro Show podcast. And today I'm so excited about our guest because not only he's so knowledgeable and great to listen to, but he has a fabulous voice to listen to as well. And also he's truly one of my favorite people. So please welcome Charles Sylvia, Vice President of CLIA Membership and Trade Relations. Hi, Charlie. Connie, hello. And thank you so much for that kind introduction. It's a real pleasure for me to be here with you. Thank you for being here with us, Charlie. I've been really excited about this and looking forward to it. So because our listeners are not travel industry people, would you please tell them what CLIA stands for and what it means and what the organization does? Absolutely, Connie. And I, I, I have to tell you, I just figured out how to perfectly explain CLIA to my mother <laughs> after 25 years. So, oh, so I, I definitely have finally gotten it down. But in a nutshell, and it's it's uh, not unusual that your, that your listeners haven't heard about CLIA because we are, after all, a trade association. CLIA stands for Cruise Lines International Association, and we're headquartered in Washington, D.C., just about three blocks from the White House, and we are the world's largest cruise industry trade association. We're the definitive trade association for the cruise industry. So we actually serve the trade. We serve the travel advisors and the, and the cruise lines and all of the community that, that comprise the world of cruising to deliver these experiences for, for guests, for your listeners. Well, that is so interesting. And it's wonderful that you know cruising inside and out. So that's what my questions are going to be based on today. So tell me, Charlie, because I know you know the answers to these things. About how many people cruised in 2019? Well, in 2019, and we're still calculating all the numbers naturally they'll be coming in over the next eight to ten weeks but in 2019 it's safe to say that 30 million people worldwide took a cruise which is astonishing when you consider the the growth in just a few years for for a matter of fact when you look back say 10 years to 2010 19 million people cruised so this year, 2000, last year 2019 30 million people took a cruise so the growth is phenomenal Oh, that is that is exceptional growth, and I understand that it's expected to really grow in the next year and this next decade. So, how many people are expected to cruise this year? Any well, idea? Glad, yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you asked because for many years we would project the next year's increase because it's always been an increase, quite frankly, to be in the hundreds of thousands. You know, we would always say, okay, well, we're shooting for 300,000 more people to cruise in next year or 500,000 or 600,000. Well, the jump from 2019 to 2020, we're projecting 2 million people, more than 10%. We're projecting 32 million people or 2 million more people than in 2019 will take a cruise in 2020. So a total of 32 million around the world. And think about it for a second, Connie. Think about the U.S. population. What's that, about 350 million? And the yes. global population is in the billions. To say 32 million people are taking a cruise, my goodness, we're just scratching the surface of, of demand and, and people's interest in, in cruising. Well, obviously, that's a lot of people cruising, but I know that there are a lot of people who have never cruised either. So let's talk about that. There are so many first-time cruisers out there. So let's talk about that for a minute. Of people who have never cruised before, because I'm sure we have some listening, what do you think the most popular cruise itinerary or destination is for a first-time cruiser? Well, I, I look to my own personal experience, Connie, and, and to the cruise line deployment by region, quite frankly. And in 2020, 32% of all ships worldwide will be deployed in the Caribbean. And that's why, and bear in mind, ladies and gentlemen, that I started out, Connie, I started out back in 1994 as a travel agent. So I can speak from personal experience with my own clients. 
when I would set them sail to sail for the first time, when I'd send them on a cruise, the vast majority of folks would be interested in Caribbean. And for those who weren't knowledgeable, and I'm talking about here in the United States, of course, and for those who weren't knowledgeable about cruising, I would always recommend a Caribbean itinerary of at least, at least four nights. I found a lot of folks were hesitant to book seven night cruises initially, which is something that their mindset would change almost immediately after they got on the cruise ship. But I would never try to put someone on a two or a three night cruise because I just didn't think that it was enough of a time for them to relax and enjoy themselves and, and, and really experience the, what the cruise had to offer and the destinations that, that the ship called on. So I recommend for a first timer, Caribbean, maybe, maybe the Bahamas, that it would be at least a four night cruise, a four or a five night cruise, just so that you can begin to relax and enjoy yourself. You know, I could not agree with you more. And obviously, you know more about cruising than anyone I know, but I've been around and in the business for a long time, too. So whenever people ask me about first-time cruise, I always recommend the Caribbean or the Bahamas. And same as you, I always say at least four nights. You know, if you're a little hesitant, then don't do a seven-night. But a two- or three-night, honestly, I don't feel that you get a real representation of what a cruise is like because it's different in a lot of ways besides just the length of it. So I totally couldn't agree with you more. Especially when you take into account that people oftentimes are flying to the port of embarkation. If it's a, if it's a cruise that you're driving to, uh, you may choose to drive to that cruise the same day at, that the cruise leaves, but that's really doing yourself a disservice. Whether you're dry, driving or whether you're flying, one of the biggest pieces of advice that any seasoned, experienced travel agent will give you is that you arrive at that port of embarkation, the port that you leave from, a day prior. So that it does a couple of things. Not only from a logistical standpoint, does it make complete sense so that you don't miss the ship in case there's a mechanical right. failure or anything that holds you or up. Especially in the winter with weather. Exactly. What we call in the business an act of God. Well, um, you know, you don't want to roll the dice when it comes to weather, especially in the winter. But also from a frame of mind perspective, Connie, it, it makes so much sense to just arrive and settle down and just have a nice dinner the night before, relax, get a good night's sleep, have a leisurely breakfast in the morning, let the ship disembark all of the previous passengers from the previous sailing and, and reprovision and refuel and then show up at that port, you know, anytime afternoon and, and, and experience your cruise. It just helps settle the mind and it just gives you that inner calm and peace so that you're setting the stage for a wonderful cruise experience. And it extends your vacation an extra day. Right. So you're there, <laughs> you're already in the vacation mindset. Okay. Well, I know that you've heard it all just like I have. So sure. there are so many myths out there that people use as objections to cruising. Oh, I don't want to be confined. I don't like crowds, whatever. I'll get seasick. So what are some of the myths that you hear and how do you overcome those objections? Because I know there's lots of them. Well, the, the single biggest thing is the confinement thing. And I find that one, uh, you know, if it's a couple, one, one person in the couple will say, oh, you know, I just don't want to be confined on the ship or I don't want to be limited to the time that I spend in a destination. And to that, I say, measure out or go for a walk that, that is at least 800 to 900 feet in length. <laughs> and and you're walking the length of the ship. You know, I actually had the benefit of working when I was a travel agent in a brick and mortar agency. And so I had actually measured it out. And I would take them to the windows of the agency and I'd say, see that McDonald's over there? And sure enough, the McDonald's was about a thousand feet away from the front door of the travel agency. I said, that is the bow of the ship and this is the stern. And if, you, and if you take that length and multiply it times 10 or 12 or 15, sometimes 16, 18 stories, you've got a resort that is no different than a hotel casino in Las Vegas or, or an oceanfront resort in Fort Lauderdale. You know, so how can you feel confined? 
And so this was something that was uh, that I never really had problems overcoming because a lot of folks think that they're going to be inside all the time. And I remind them, I say, look, you know, the, the, the ships have wonderful Lido areas and jogging tracks and outdoor basketball courts and, and water parks and all of these beautiful areas. So you can't really be confined when you can go outside, can you? And bottom line is you're moving at all times. So you're, you're uh, experiencing motion. You're in terms of, you know, in a positive way, you're, you're one with the ship. It is not a confining experience in the least. The other thing about the time in ports can be completely turned around to say, this is a great way to not make a mistake by going to a destination that you may that may not click with you. It gives you the opportunity to see four or five different destinations, if you're going on a week-long cruise at least, and get a sense of the culture and the sites and the attractions and, and the history, everything that has to do with the cuisine, the arts, everything that that has to do with that particular port of call. So there's there's a lot of upside there. And don't forget that you pack and unpack once on a cruise, thankfully. And that's one of my favorite parts, but you're right about everything else. And I tell people the same thing. It's a resort in itself. There's so much to do, It's but it's a floating resort. And as far as the ports, you're right. You're just getting, what I tell people is, you're just getting a little taste yeah. of each of these ports. And if you like one that much, you fall in love with St. John, go back there. Right. Go back there and spend a week. But it's that's a great the, way to sample them. That's really what it's all about, too. And we find that especially with the Mediterranean itineraries. I had mentioned earlier that the cruise industry, our cruise lines deploy 32% of their ships in the Caribbean. Well, 17% of the ships are deployed in the Mediterranean. And that gives folks a wonderful opportunity to check out all of the different ports of call, whether, you know, whether it be Rome or, or Dubrovnik or, you know, there's so many different ports of call that you can, you can see in the Barcelona, Monte Carlo. So it just gives you that wonderful taste and, and people do invariably go back. They really do. In fact, we have personally, we've done that. Med cruises are wonderful. So now that we've talked about first-time cruisers and non-cruisers and why they should consider it, what about cruisers that are experienced and have done mostly everything that's, that's happening right now or that, you know, the usual itineraries and ports, what's new that's coming up and what are the latest trends in cruising? Well, we're, we're getting a lot of information from our travel agency partners and in terms of survey results based on their interactions with their clients. And, you know, honestly, the leading trend in cruising is environmental sustainability, that seasoned cruisers and, some, and not just seasoned cruisers, but also cruisers that are first-time cruisers who are millennials and, and Gen Zs are very, very concerned that, that, that it's important to them that they understand that cruising is a responsible way to travel, you know, and that, and that we are a leader in environmental sustainability. CLIA Cruise Lines are passionate about clean oceans and we're committed to responsible tourism practices and, and the highest standards, quite frankly, of environmental stewardship. And our policies and practices often exceed those required by law. But um, I'm just going to give you three little quick factoids. And this was done, this is a business imperative that was, that was launched by ourselves. In other words, we were not told to do this. This is something that for years we have already been working on because we know that it, first and foremost, it's the right thing to do. And we care very much about the oceans upon which we sail and the ports and destinations that we call on. And so we've actually invested more than $22 billion dollars in new energy efficiency technologies and cleaner fuels for our ships because we've set, and this is set by us, a 40% target reduction in the rate of carbon emissions by 2030. And that's compared with 2008. So our fleets are getting younger. Uh, the average the average age of the fleet is 14.1 years. That's dropped dramatically. So the ships are newer. And the message is this, that cruising, that the cruise industry is a leader in responsible tourism practices and environmental stewardship. And, and our, our clients, our guests rather, are really, really responding to that. As a matter of fact, millennials love, love, love cruising. And they love that we take seriously our commitment to the environment. That's so great to hear, Charlie, because 
we all know that environmental responsibility is one of the most important issues in the world right now. So it really is. And that and really is great that to hear. If you add up all the cruise ships in the world, Connie, consider that every single cruise ship, every single cruise line, we comprise less than 1%, less than 1% of the global maritime community. But we're at the forefront, naturally. And even though we're less than 1%, we're actually the leaders in things like liquefied natural gas and gas cleaning systems and advanced wastewater and shoreside power. So the future is really bright for the cruise industry and for our guests who, to whom environmental sustainability is important. That's so great to hear. Thank you so much. So uh, back for one second to first time cruisers. When someone cruises for the first time, in your opinion, what's the likelihood that they'll choose a cruise vacation again? Well, I can tell you exactly because we have that data, quite frankly. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm really pleased to say that 82% of cruisers are likely to book a cruise as their next vacation. 80%. Now, 82%. 82%. 82%. Wow. And that's, now, I, I, I definitely said this in a very, very uh, deliberate way. They're likely to book a cruise as their next vacation. Now, that's not to say the people who are have cruised and will cruise again, which is 89%. So, so the numbers are just uh, phenomenal. Cruising is one of the highest repeat rate cruise, or highest repeat rate vacation experiences one can take. And it's because of the overall satisfaction. You know, if you look at uh, satisfaction indices from across our member cruise lines, it's in the 90s. So people are going on cruises, they're loving the experience, the service they receive, the food, the, the onboard amenities and accommodations, the ports of call, the shore excursions, all the, all the offerings, entertainment, fitness, and they're loving it and they're coming back. Well, not to mention it's really a terrific value too. It really is one of the very best values for vacation overall. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. A lot for the money okay. with cruising. So. I know that a lot of cruise lines are coming out with new ships in 2020. Can you talk a little bit about who they are and what they are and what's unique about them? Oh my goodness. Oh yes. I mean, <laughs> right now the global fleet is at 278, 278 cruise ships around the world, our CLIA member lines, all of the brands that you would expect. But in 2020, we have 19 ships being launched in 2020. So, you know, before you know it, we'll have more than 300 ships sailing around the world. I myself, I can tell you that uh, I'm privileged to be sailing on the maiden voyage in April of uh, Celebrity Apex, and that's Celebrity Cruises. On um, April 1st, that ship will start sailing out of Southampton, England. So I'm going to be a part of that that launch and the uh, maiden voyage, which is great. Really, really amazing style. Celebrity Cruises has taken the experience to a, to a very high level. I just, 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 and you know, this isn't a 2020 ship, it's a 2019 ship, but I just came back from Sky Princess, which is Princess Cruise's newest vessel. And I have to say, their integration of the ocean medallion technology, which folks, if you don't know about the ocean medallion, I would go and Google Princess Cruise's ocean medallion right now and go to their website and, and check it out because it's incredible just so intuitive it helped make my experience so much easier i was able to i was able like i'll give you an example i was wearing my ocean medallion i had it in a, a watch a sports watch that they that i purchased and you order a drink on the app you don't have to wave down if you're if you're on a deck you don't have to wave down a server you can just go on the app you can order whatever cocktail so i ordered a mojito and because i was wearing my uh, ocean medallion the server knew exactly where I was and brought me the mojito and greeted me by my name as I had put into the system, the way I wanted to be called, Charlie instead of Charles. So it, it's just wonderful. You walk up to your you walk up to your stateroom door and the, it unlocks within three feet. You know, you're three feet away approaching your door and it unlocks because it senses you. So big, big shout out to Princess Cruises. They also have another ship coming out, the Enchanted Princess in 2020. But we, it's not just the large ships coming out, too. We've got 
beautiful exploration vessels, yachts. Ponant is coming out with Le Jacques Cartier, which is an expedition vessel, and Le Belot, another one of the vessels that's a French expedition company, Ponant. You've got uh, river cruise lines coming out with, I, I think there's, in addition to these 19 ocean-going ships, I think there's over a dozen river, go- river vessels coming out. Scenic Cruises is coming out with Scenic Eclipse, another expedition yacht. Oh, and we can't forget Carnival Cruise Lines. Uh, they're their largest ship in their fleet, the Mardi Gras, is coming out, and that's going to be an LNG ship. So it's powered by liquefied natural gas, another representation of the commitment the cruise industry has to environmental sustainability. What's really cool about the Mardi Gras is, Connie, it has a roller coaster, the first ever roller coaster at sea. It's going to be on the top deck. And I can't wait to try that out. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, a roller coaster. Amazing. I'm so glad that you mentioned those cruise lines and those ships and specifically Princess because, of course, I have experienced the Ocean Medallion and the technology is absolutely game-changing. And we do plan to have Princess on the show in the near future, in the next couple of months, as well as the other cruise lines that you mentioned as well. And I know that Virgin Voyages is coming out with their first ship. As a matter of fact, on this same episode, we have an interview with Virgin Voyages, and we'll be talking about the new Scarlet Lady that's coming this year. So lots of new ships coming, cruise lines that even experienced cruisers may not be familiar with, we'll be talking about in the future. So we've already talked about the best things about cruising that we both agree on. How many cruises have you been on, Charlie? <laughs> Can you I count? Knew. Have you kept count? Well, you know, I, I, I actually had lost count there for a long time, but then I sat down, you know, people ask me this all the time. So I, I felt a, a responsibility to sit down and actually figure it out one day. And I did it. I printed out this big, long calendar. So in the past uh, 42 years, I have sailed 176 times. Wow. Yeah. But, but that's nothing. I mean, I've talked to people who have sailed, you know, I have literally spoken with someone who's sailed more than a thousand times. So I feel like I'm still getting started here. I've got a lot of life left to live and you better believe it's a lot of it's going to be on a cruise ship. Okay. So, so far, what has been your most memorable cruise experience? It could well, be a location or a destination, a port, a ship. Well, I have to say that, you know, we took a two week British Isles cruise. And, and Connie, you're a good friend of mine. You know me pretty well. You know that I'm, I'm very much an Anglophile. I love all yes. things British. I love things. With, I love the Royal family. So we took a two week cruise, England, Ireland, Northern Ireland, and Scotland. We didn't go to Wales, but we went to every, uh, the, the other four. And I will tell you that two week cruise, and it was on a luxury brand. So it, we were very, very blessed to be able to do that. And I, I'm so grateful I was able to, to get away for the two weeks. But I will tell you that that was the best experience I've ever had on a, on a ship, on, on a cruise. And it was because of a variety of factors, primarily the, the, the itinerary, because we really took the time to understand where we were going and learn about the, the, the ports of call. And we got the most out of the, out of the ports of call, whether it be Liverpool all the maritime history there that we went to the museums and we followed the, the path of the, of the Beatles. We oh. went to Bel- Belfast. We went to the place where Titanic was built, which was amazing. And we went to the Titanic Museum and that whole district there learning about the wonderful shipbuilders of Belfast, Ireland. We spent time in Dublin, which was extraordinary. And Edinburgh. Oh, my God. If, if You've never been to Edinburgh, ladies and gentlemen. You have to go. You have to spend the day on the Royal Mile. And it's just, it's fantastic. And I, I'm glowing just thinking about that cruise again. I the can second, tell by your voice. You must have been in heaven because I know uh, how much you love that. I really do. And I was in heaven. You're absolutely right. And, and a close, it, I don't even want to call it second because it, it's, it, it's an entirely different experience. But I think it's probably tied with a river cruise that we took from Paris on a luxury river cruise line that we went uh, northbound from on the Seine to the to Normandy, the Normandy region, and we went to Giverny, we went to Monet's Gardens and his home, we went to Versailles, we went to the beaches of Normandy to Omaha Beach and Utah Beach, and 
it was just really pulls at your heartstrings, plucks at your heartstrings. And uh, if you haven't been on a river cruise, ladies and gentlemen, don't wait because that whole world, that's an entirely different realm of cruising that is just, I, I try to go on a river cruise every single year because it's just so immersive and so culturally authentic and so easy. And yeah, so those are my two favorite cruises that I've ever taken, Connie. Well, hope I wasn't I too verbose. <laughs> I, all, I have done river cruises, but I have not done that one. So I'll have to put both of those that you described on my bucket list. And you're so right about river cruises being a completely different experience and wonderful. And we'll be talking about those in the future as well. So I only have one question left for you, Charlie, but it's, it's an important one to me and I know to you. So tell us why you feel it's important to always use a qualified travel agent. Oh, my goodness. So I talk about this almost every day, Connie. And I have to say that last night I actually was, was texting a friend of mine who is booking a cruise. And, you know, I don't sell cruises anymore because I work for the Industry Association. So helping them understand. And I tried to do it in a nutshell because I was, I was heading to bed. And I said to them, if for no other reason, the advocacy and, and the fact that they have, first and foremost, relationships, know-how, and just they understand, they have the influence with suppliers. Travel agents, first of all, foremost, most people think that it costs more money to use a travel agent, which the vast majority, and when I say the vast majority, I'm thinking 99% if I had to really put a number on it, of agents don't cost any money to use. Their services are yours for the taking because they get paid by the supplier. Uh, you can go online and you can look up that, that, that great deal and then pick up the phone and call a travel agent and book it through them. And why would you want to do that? Because they know this business far better than any consumer ever could. They have the, the know-how, and as I mentioned, if something goes wrong, and you know what, ladies and gentlemen, even the best laid plans, there's no such thing as a perfect plan, but even the best laid plans, from time to time, something can go wrong. Well, where do you begin? That's really where the travel agent, that's where the rubber meets the road for a travel agent. We're putting aside all of the wonderful services that they offer in planning the trip and preparing you for your trip so that you get the most out of it. But where the rubber meets the road, ladies and gentlemen, is that travel agents know people at these cruise lines that you will never know. They're able to pick up the phone and affect action on your behalf. And I always like to say, Connie, you know, if someone books a cruise on their own directly, they represent one, a one-off transaction, one minuscule piece of business for that cruise line. But then there's the client like me, and I happen to go through a, a very large travel agency for my bookings, and they're part of a, a global network that is a household brand, and I'm part of a $2 billion piece of business to that cruise line when I book my cruise through the travel agent, because she is part of the agency, which is part of the consortia and network that is this multi-billion dollar platform. So my point is this, buyer beware. You know, when you're booking by yourself, you are entirely, that's it. It's, 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 it's your risk. But when you have that travel agent working for you, you have that person who's accountable to you and who will go to bat for you and help make sure that your plans go according to plan. So well said, Charlie. I agree. I agree totally. And there are so many more reasons why People should always use travel agents that we could do an entire podcast just <laughs> on that topic. And maybe we will someday, but not today. So if any of our listeners are interested in taking a cruise or booking a land vacation, please visit our wonderful friends at Enchanted Memories Travel at EnchantedMem.com. And I thank you, Charlie, so much. It's been such a pleasure. So our guest today has been Charles Sylvia, Vice President of Membership and Trade Relations at CLIA, and that stands for Cruise Lines International Association. Charlie, I can't thank you enough. This has been wonderful. Connie, and the pleasure is all mine. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. Bye, Connie. Bye-bye. 
Hi, everyone. Our guest today is Kayla Corbett from the most exciting brand, Virgin Voyages. So Virgin Voyages is, of course, the brainchild of Richard Branson. And we know that everything that Richard Branson does is so exciting and innovative and progressive. So we're so excited to have Kayla here today to talk about what's coming, because this is one of the most anticipated brands in the cruise industry. So Kayla, how are you? I'm good, Connie. How are you? I'm great. I'm so excited that you're here because I'm myself personally really so excited to hear all about Virgin Voyages and what's going on. So I know it's really unique, but tell us and tell our listeners, Mm -hmm. what do you think is the most unique aspect of the brand? Well, I can actually start this off by saying we actually heard from consumers what their most interesting facet of a new, new cruise line would be. And so really, you know, the number one most requested piece when we were concepting Virgin Voyages as a brand and saying, what are you looking for in a new cruise line was actually adults only. So you need to be 18 and up to sail with us on Virgin Voyages. There's no age cap, but people really wanted a unique boutique adult only experience to really have entertainment, cuisine, and and just the interaction to be more suited for an adult demographic. Oh, I second that. No kids. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> we love Sorry them, but that. yeah, everybody needs to love person. them. We love them. We love, I love my grandchildren, but you know, when I don't take them with me, I don't yeah. really want anybody else's kids there either. Sorry. Exactly. So, yeah. So I love that. I think it's great. Uh, so who exactly would you say your demographic is? I know you said 18 and up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's really more of a psychographic. So I would oh. say not necessarily a specific, okay, we're looking for this age bracket. We're looking for this household income from this part of the world. We are right now in four global marketplaces. So it will be more of a Western experience. It's United States, Canada, United Kingdom, and Australia. But Really, we're looking for people that are like-minded. Maybe they're foodies because we have a great culinary scene on board. They like adventure. They crave authenticity. They fear mass. They don't want to be herded anywhere. And maybe they've actually never cruised before, but they're now inclined to cruise because they know that Virgin is going to reinvent and do things very differently. That sounds so exciting. So I know that you have the Scarlet Lady coming out soon. Is that correct? I'm right. She's our first ship for 2020. Okay. And what can you tell her, tell us about her a little yeah, bit? Yeah. So she is not, not a mega ship uh, by industry standards. Now, you know, you see larger and larger cruise ships and they really are doing that as a, as an overall part of the industry to offer more dining opportunities, entertainment, different types of cabin, more public area. And depending on the demographic, maybe for, for family brands, the larger ships really are well suited for the overall experience with Virgin, because our, our sailor, as we said, and we call just so you know, with our lingo, we have a few fun, cheeky words that we use to describe our folks. You'll never hear us call the, our, our guests guests or passengers are always sailors. Oh, but, sailors. I like that. Yeah, our sailors. So our sailors fear mass, as we said, and they didn't want to be kind of on a mega ship experience. So our, our the size of the ships are about 110,000 tons, 2,700 people at full occupancy, over 20 different restaurants, all included in the fair, which we can talk about as part of our inclusivity offer, but uh, a really unique kind of boutique experience at sea. That sounds wonderful. I have to tell you, I'm really looking forward to the experience myself. So 20 different restaurants. Now, follow the traditional cruise ship dining of having a main dining room or you just have no main dining room and you have all these other restaurants. Yeah, it's a great question. And I think a main dining room is really a core, has been traditionally a core part of the experience on cruise ships. However, we found that because we wanted to make all of our bites to order, and we were listening to a lot of the pain points that our, our sailors had mentioned in our consumer research as far as we don't like being forced to go at a certain time every night. Maybe we want to mix it up. We want variety in our venues. Uh, we want the overall quality of the food to be great. We don't want this kind of mass migration. I call it the great migration when everybody finishes dinner at one time and then they proceed to the theater at the front of the ship and it's large groups of people again. We really wanted to make it more of an authentic restaurant kind of feel as if you would have on land with those same offerings. So we don't have a main dining room. We don't have a buffet. We have over 20 eateries in total with six core restaurants that are doing the larger meals of the, the main you know, dinners and lunches when, when the ship is in port and at sea. But really, it's all about what you're in the mood for. And you can make reservations or you can just kind of show up. 
all of our restaurants have bars inside of them. So the bar service is super fast. It feels natural when you walk in and they all cater to different palettes and menus. So we have a vegetarian forward restaurant, a Korean barbecue, which was one of the first at sea. It's a very interactive kind of community experience there. We have an upgraded surf and turf seafood restaurant in the after the ship with great views. So it's really about what you're in the mood for. So different. So what else is unique about Virgin Voyages? Well, as a brand, we're highly inclusive. So again, with our consumer research, we said, all right, with our guests, what are you looking for in a cruise line and what's important to include so we can avoid the nickel and diming feel that a lot of cruise lines tend to have this reputation for? And, you know, what, what do you think should be paid for to kind of keep the price at a healthy point? So what we found with our consumer research was that gratuities were something that we just wanted to take care of the crew, leave it out of the minds of the sailors of how they have to care for them and what their tips should be. They're always included in the standard cruise fare for suites and all other cabins. We also include all Wi-Fi. In this day and age, it's 2020 around the corner. We really just felt like Wi-Fi is a basic human right. And ship Wi-Fi in general has always known to be a little shaky, but um, we, we include standard unlimited Wi-Fi, which is going to be really fast and really productive for every guest. And then our suites will actually have our upgraded streaming uh, lightning fast Wi-Fi at no additional charge. We That's also, great. yeah, it's great. I mean, you can stay connected, you can post and you can, you don't have to feel stressed out or feel like you're paying an arm and a leg for a Wi-Fi package at sea. It just doesn't make sense. So what else is different in the experience being on one of your ships, being on the, the Scarlet Lady? Yeah. So we, we talked about the food a little bit. And I think the most important thing there to note is that all of the food is made to order at all these different restaurants and there's no upcharge for any specialty restaurants. So that's included as an, a standard part of our offering. We also include all of the basic beverages, meaning all still sparkling water, coffees, teas, and all soft drinks. So it's really just alcohol, fresh pressed juice, or specialty coffees that folks would pay for. And they, it's, what's funny is that they actually told us that they said, listen, we don't want to subsidize the drinking of everybody else on the ship by making a fully all-inclusive product. You know, these are four and five night cruises on Scarlet Lady. They're in port two out of the, on our four night cruise, they're in port two out of the three days on the four night. Again, same thing, two days at only at sea. So the, the level of consumption really is quite limited. And we just felt like if we made the cocktails priced fairly and had really great ingredients and great service that people would, would, elect to pay as they as they go. And last but not least, we include all group fitness classes because wellness is a huge part of the Virgin Voyages experience. We felt like there was no need to charge for a spinning or a, a sunrise yoga class, a kickboxing. So all of that is included as well. And I have to say our wellness and spa facilities are fabulous. You definitely have to check out the thermal area, some of the cool treatments that we're doing and just, just see how big wellness is really a part of this experience. Wonderful. So Will guests be able to, well, I'm sorry, sailors, yes. <laughs> be able to, are they already open for booking for yes. the first sailing? That's correct. And yep. When is the first sailing? Our very first sailing. So we're going to take delivery of Scarlet Lady in Genoa, our shipyard Spincantieri. We'll be taking delivery on Valentine's Day, sailing her over to the UK to do a little, few little show off events. And then she'll finally start her first revenue sailing as our grand you know, inaugural voyage on April 1st, 2020. So I think April Fool's Day of this year, we finally have our first ship to show off and she'll kick it off with a four night cruise to Key West, Florida in our private beach club at Bimini which we definitely should talk about because it's so fabulous. Oh, um, tell me about that. Yes. So on every single one of Scarlet Lady's itineraries from Port of Miami. So she'll be doing four and five night cruises round trip from Port of Miami. As I mentioned, her four night does Key West, Florida from eight o'clock in the morning until 7 p.m. at night. And the next day is our private beach club at Bimini from 10 a.m. until midnight. This beach club is fabulous because it's exclusive to Virgin. The ship is docked, so there's no tendering involved. There's no other ships that can access it. It's just Scarlet Lady when she's in port. And really it's this private beach club oasis that has, you know, a pool party by day with a DJ, food and beverages provided on the island. We, of course, have great shorks, shore things, we call them our shore excursions, happening all day long. People can come and go to the ship as they please. And by nighttime, we kind of end it with acoustic mu music on the beach, fire pits, and just kind of this really relaxing beach experience that gives people an extended stay, which is great. And I think what's, what's important to note about Bimini, if folks aren't familiar with it. It's a small island that's part of the Bahamas. So Virgin doesn't own Bimini. It just, it still is a Bahamian territory. And what's important is our, our sailors actually told us, you know, we don't really want you to go and buy a, a 
private island and make it virgin world in, in the Caribbean. We really want an authentic Bahamian experience. And then when we're ready to retreat back to a beach club or more of a private scene, we have that ability to do so. It's really close to Miami. So it's, it's virtually no sail time, which gave us the opportunity to give people more of a day and evening experience on the island. It sounds like heaven. Yes. It sounds heavenly. It does. Yes. Okay. So we know about the Scarlet Lady. We mm-hmm. know when we'll be able to sail on her and we can book her now. Yes. Uh, what's next? You can also book, since we just un- revealed itineraries and just opened for sale, our second ship, which we have named Valiant Lady. She will be doing seven night voyages from Barcelona, doing everything from Spain, France, Italy, Monte Carlo, and all of our those sailings have an overnight in Ibiza in Spain. So some really exciting itineraries for folks that are looking to do some Mediterranean sailings. And then by the end of 2020, so she'll be in spring of 2021 is her debut. And then she'll eventually be coming to the United States to do a little bit longer sailings for Caribbean out of the port of Miami in in about November, December, 2021. And that's when we have our brand new terminal in the port of Miami actually coming out as well. Lots of things happening. A lot happening, a lot that's exciting. And everyone is very, very excitedly waiting, you know, in, in, anticipation of this brand because it's been the talk of the industry for a while now. So we're all really excited about it. So I know that you have obviously not really been on board yet because he's not sailing yet, but Mm -hmm. because you know the product and the brand inside out. So what three aspects of the brand or the experience would you advise our listeners to make them a not miss. It sounds like Bimini is one of them. The Yes. Yep. You have to experience Bimini and, and do all of the fabulous things. And the, what shore excursions in general, the Virgin Voyages is unlike any shore excursions program on any other cruise line. They really are kind of a behind the velvet rope. Let's do something super authentic, super small and tailored with a cheeky Virgin twist. We haven't announced them just yet, but keep your eyes peeled on the horizon on the website because they really are epic. So of course, you'd have to participate in our Shore Things program. You have to see the shows on board. We haven't really talked about entertainment just yet, but we don't have Broadway shows. We don't have, you know, your standard comedian lineup, then your show, then, you know, a couple other unique things. Our, our theater actually converts into four different configurations. So each time you walk in, it looks like a totally different venue. We have everything from circus style acts telling a story, an amazing dinner theater that channels a Shakespearean tale that folks and participants that are there are immersed from the time that they walk in and their meal is centered around the, the storyline. We have a happenings cast that, you know, it's not your traditional cruise staff lineup where they're hosting uh, bingo and trivia and doing line dancing out on the pool deck. We want everything to feel natural and fun and kind of, you just got to see it because you happen to be there. You, You physically can't do everything on board. You have to make certain decisions about, do I want to do this or I do want to do that? And I think the great part of that is it naturally draws in a sense of community. As you tend to make decisions about what you want, where you want to eat, what you want to do next, you're finding similar sailors that are making those same choices that bring you together in a, a natural way. And you feel like you're, you know, developing friendships in the sense of community without being forced, which I think is great. And yeah, I just think, you know, participate. You know, we have a a great event called Scarlet Night and it's so different than the standard white party on cruise ships. You wear red and the whole ship goes red for the night and there's (laughs) epic parties await. But if you're, if you're all about the wellness experience, you know, we will do a DJ in, in the thermal area at nighttime to activate that space and have more of a chill vibe. So it really is about what's important to you and how you want to voyage. There's no, there's no routine or standard menu to follow. Sounds very interesting, very exciting. So this is a little bit of a quirky question, but I like to ask it of cruise lines because it gives the listeners a way to kind of relate to the experience that they expect. So if I were to ask you if there's a hotel, a resort chain, or land experience that Mm -hmm. you would be able to compare your brand to in 
piece of the level in, of service and luxury, what would that be? Well, for us, naturally, I'd have to say Virgin Hotels because it's a family brand. So oh, interestingly of enough, of course, Virgin actually has over 65 companies. They're all independently owned and operated. So Virgin Voyages is our own brand, has nothing to do specifically with Virgin Hotels, Virgin Atlantic, but they all reside under the Virgin umbrella. And of course, we like to keep a con kind of consistent experience about what we stand for within the family. We do have a Virgin Hotel actually coming out in 2023 in Miami for sailors really? to do pre and yeah it's, it was just announced this past fall it's going to be in the Brickell area gorgeous hotel and will be great for also corporations that maybe want to do something a little bit more corporate on, at the hotel and then they take their sailors out to sea after to kind of have that more leisure based uh, element afterwards but you know virgin hotels is all about comfort being fair to our, our their guests in, in terms of like not overcharging for a mini bar making making things comfortable and having great service so i would always say that however our ship was actually designed by seven different designers that have never worked on cruise ships before but have done very famous land projects so i would say you know the w hotels we take a lot of inspiration from tom dixon one of our designers has worked on the mondrian and you know he designed all of our suites so you can kind of get that feel when you're walking through scarlet lady and valiant lady to see how that kind of correlates to a land-based product. That sounds wonderful, really exciting. So what do you think? What, in your opinion, is something that your brand does better than anyone else? I think they just make it really fun. And I always tell people, you know, it's, we're not a serious brand. I mean, you can certainly take us seriously. The Virgin, you know, is a, is a great brand to work for, but we're fun. We want people to just genuinely have a good time and kind of let loose a little bit. You know, you're around adults. You don't have to feel buttoned up. You don't have to worry about any children watching you. You're just there to live how you would like to live for the next four or five, seven nights. You know, it's, it's all about how you want to do it. And I think people that come that are just looking for a good time really make the most of the experience and, and, and enjoy themselves better. And I think Virgin really does a great job of bringing out, you know, the inner child in all of us and really letting us explore our own tastes and, and interests in a, in a fun way that leaves us saying, wow, that was really an amazing experience. And we got to go back and do this again. And, you know, we'll have a totally different experience the next time or we'll do a different itinerary, a different ship. You know, our fleet only keeps getting newer. So there's lots of different opportunities to continue a virgin experience, but it really is just about having a good time and, and having fun like Richard Branson. I mean, if you think about him and as a leader and his yes. life and what he looks for, he's not exactly. that serious. He just likes to have a good story, meet people, have a good time and not take things quite so extreme you know he's he's right, a champion right. for the environment and we just uh -huh. we d people that are looking for those types of elements i think would really resonate with the brand i think you're absolutely right so for first-time cruisers mm -hmm. so we're since we're speaking about the caribbean at this point yeah when in your opinion would be the best time to go yeah, so I think, uh, well, with us, our, it's important to note that we're not following a school calendar like most of the family brands that have to work with school breaks and you find the high seasons typically July and August, of course, the holiday months, etc. Our higher season is the want to get away season being January, February, March. So if you're looking for a deal, you might look for something in the, the fall time, September, October. Also, May, June might be a great time to go as well, just to say, you know, every kids are still back in school, but the weather is sublime and a great time to get away before, you know, most of the, the summer break. So are we talking about double occupancy all the time as far as rates or will there be single rates available? Yep. As well? So we actually have quite, we have solo cabins, 47 solo cabins in total oh, that's on, on board so the ship. 47 of them. That's a yeah. lot. Yep. Yeah. And they're all, they're all, the majority of them are the insider, which is your standard inside cabin. There are six solo sea views with a window. And then all of our balcony cabins, which we call sea terraces, are priced at double occupancy. Solos can come, but it would be at the 200% minus the other person's port fees and taxes. And then of course, suites again, our double occupancy, our largest occupancy would be a quad. We do have some triples and quads available, but again, given that we're an adult-only brand, having f more than four adults in a cabin just really doesn't make sense. People want their own bathrooms and more space, so uh, I would. four would be our max, yeah. <laughs> I definitely would. Okay, yeah. so you're pretty flexible there. Uh, it's great to know that there will be some single cabins available. Yep. And as far as the price range, so that our listeners know what to expect, 
Mm-hmm. Just give me a ballpark, not including air, of course, because we don't know where they're coming from. Right. But on the Scarlet Lady. Yep. We're averaging right now in a sea terrace, which is the majority of the inventory on board Scarlet Lady, about $300 per person per night. All of our prices, when you look on our website or when you when you call your travel advisor, they're always priced per cabin. So it just makes things simple. You don't always have to look oh, at that is know, different the individual too. rate. Yeah, it's just a it's just a quick and easy snapshot, so you can get an idea. But about three hundred dollars per person per day. And again, keep in mind, you know, your gratuities are included, all your soft drinks are included, your group fitness, you have Wi-Fi included. So there's a lot more inclusion in that price. Twenty um, restaurants. Correct. Yeah. So, you know, you're saving quite a bit. Okay. Well, this sounds so exciting and so interesting. And we're all really impatiently waiting yes. at this point. So we're almost there. Because we advocate for the travel agents, of course, you will be able to book your Virgin Voyages vacation through Enchanted Memories Travel. Yes. And they'll know all about the product. So just one last thing. What would you want our listeners to remember most about Virgin Voyages? Virgin Voyages is an experience. It's not just, I think the biggest thing to look at it is, it's not about the gadgets and the gizmos on this ship. The ship is stunning, but it's not about the water slides. It's not about, we've got hairspray on board. It's about the food that you're going to have, the destinations that you're going to visit, the things that you're going to see, and the people that you're going to meet. It's really more of an experiential offer and people that are looking to just do something differently. Maybe you've cruised before, you've been there, done that, you're like, okay, maybe I'll go again. Maybe you've never cruised before because you you looked at cruising and thought, "Mm, I don't know if this is for me. I'd, I'd implore people of that mindset to give Virgin a try because it really is completely different than any other brand out there. We think that the cruise industry is doing so many things so well and it's thriving and growing constantly. We just want it to be a different twist of an option for people looking to travel by sea. And I think folks that are looking for something different want to have a great time and really have a great experience. This is the brand and the, and the, the product for them. I think you're absolutely right. And I think if I were to choose one word to describe Virgin Voyages, it probably would be unique. Yes. And the experience is what counts. And let's face it, that's what travel is all about. Yeah. We say our our mantra is stray the course. We really (laughs) want people to just, you know, we're trying to create this epic sea change for all, for our sailors, for our crew, for the environment, for our communities. And, you know, the, the, the experience that we've designed really does lend itself to that. So give it a try. You know, start off in the Caribbean on Scarlet Lady. It's a four or five night cruise. It's not forever. It could be a weekend getaway. It's just, I, I promise you, you'll come back and say, wow, that was amazing. And do a seven night. Yes. On the Valley of <laughs> then come back for the Mediterranean next summer. Right. Right. And yeah. a, a quite a, quite a different, ex- different experience. Yeah. Okay. Well, Kayla, thank you so much for thank telling you. our listeners on the Travel Pro Show all about Virgin Voyages and especially about the anxiously awaited Scarlet Lady. Yes. We're all waiting to see footage and photos and yeah. hear about experiences and, and hopefully see it ourselves. So thank you so much, Kayla. And uh, we hope that we'll have you back sometime to talk about the next ships in Virgin Voyages future. Sounds great. I would love to talk more. Thanks so much. All right. You're welcome. Okay. Have a good day. Bye-bye. We've reached the end of this episode of the Travel Pro Show and hope we've given you insight on a future adventure for your travel plans. For our exclusive deals and many of our other vacation offers, be sure to visit our friends at Enchanted Memories Travel at EnchantedMem.com as well as our website at TheTravelProShow.com and see where in the world you'd like to go next. All this and more available only at TheTravelProShow.com. Happy traveling.